Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of your favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Welcome back. This is episode six of our take on Big Trouble in Little China. We go all the way from Thunder bringing Eddie into the cell all the way up to where Jack and the group are surprised at the dock door. We have Mike Cook back with us again. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Mike, what's your take on uh, John Carpenter as a, as a whole? I really like John Carpenter because I really like it when directors are not afraid to go and just try stuff. Um, I'd rather it be an interesting movie than a safe good movie. Like, I, uh, there's nothing wrong with a safe good movie, but just f- so few directors, and understandably so, right? Because every movie is going to be expensive, right? And mm-hmm. you're doing it with other people's movie, uh, with other people's money, um, and so they have to have a lot of trust in you, or you're just not going to get a whole lot of money because they're not going to worry that much about what you end up doing with it, mm-hmm. or they're not going to care about what the quality is. Um, and John Carpenter very clearly hit through his entire career was uh i don't think he believed in halfway everything mm-hmm. he does is interesting <laughs> yeah whether yeah. or not it's good or not that's really less important than was it interesting one of the ways that you try to elevate or redo genre is you mash up or, or you combine it with other things mm-hmm. and i think for uh big trouble is one of the only ones i can think of that kind of mashes carpenter is interesting because his movies are interesting but he's not really changing the genre like he's not really subverting too many of the th- tropes that he's working in. He's very clearly drenched enough in the genre he can do what he needs to, but it's still not that far off, right? He never really misses the mark of the movie. He's he kind of mm-hmm. takes the genre and perfects it, as opposed to trying to redefine I don't know, it. I don't know if I would ever say, except for <laughs> The Thing, any of his movies are exactly oh, perfect. Halloween. Well, Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. He is a perfect slasher. I mean, Halloween changed the whole horror yes. landscape. He did sort of invent that slasher. Right, but yeah. like Big Trouble in Little China is not reinventing the Kung Fu. Although it's good. It's really, really uh, good. He, want, he tries to perfect it. Uh, we're going to start off uh, Thunder is we so we find out that Thunder is the person is actually walking up the stairs and he's bringing Eddie into the um, into the cell I didn't you know it took me like several uh, looks at the film to realize that that was Eddie like and I guess you have to you can tell it because initially because I couldn't tell by the suit like I yeah. thought he was just bringing a body in and until you actually see him hanging a guy up I was like oh it was Eddie you know I thought he was just bringing another body in he seems to hang him up there, but he's unharmed. Yeah. By like you hear fabric ripping, and it's like, oh, he hung him up by his jacket. I don't think that would work. Just saying. I think they, you know, who knows what they were thinking when they put it on film. I, I know this. The cloth ripping sound effect was an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, we gotta let him understand why he does not like get a gaping wound in his back. He hung him up by his suit. Okay, yeah. So this is where Thunder has Wang by the throat, right? And he's like got him pinned up against the wall and he's choking him out and everything like that. And then so Jack jumps back on him. I think he even makes a joke of it. Like, let's try this again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has a knife to his throat. Yeah. This is where Thunder kind of expands himself. Like, this is like the first time I think we see Thunder expand himself. It's a weird, like, superpower to have. Yeah. I don't know how... Like super breath. When it's really useful... I, um, I, I couldn't tell if he was like actually inflating himself or if he's just flexing or what exactly is that's happening. Our, that's our first, like, yeah, we see it later in the movie. That's our right. first 
I guess, inkling that he can expand himself or whatever is happening. There. Yeah, he doesn't do that in the other part of the film, though. Like, he didn't do it at the very er- end when he gets really mad. But earlier, he doesn't do it. Like, he doesn't expand himself earlier. Like, he doesn't show that superpower. I don't think we've seen him have any mm-hmm. power other than that he can, I guess, like super karate power. Or fly or whatever they can all do. Hmm. So Jack is on his back, and so like Wang flexes, and he knocks him into like a wheelchair. And so this is like uh-huh. a, a pretty cool scene because like uh, Jack goes like uh, cor- down like this like long corridor, and he like almost falls into like this well. But the yeah. cool thing about this scene is that it was filmed on a flat surface, and um, right. it the way they film it is like it makes it look like it's like he's going down a corridor. I guess they, they, built, they had like a they pulley built the doorways or an angle or something to make it you know right. like actual practical filmmaking as opposed to well and you oh, see just green screen it and you see the people at the top uh, in the door through the doorway as the wheelchair is coming at you and they look like they're standing up normally yeah so they must really have been cool. standing at an angle like they probably built the floor they probably built it at like the correct angles and just had it tilted or, yeah or I, I wonder if it was flat or just had like a little bit of on the commentary probably. they said it was flat and they were just pulling him on a rope yeah i imagine they right. just had like a rope or a pulley or yeah. some some kind of a pulley system but i you know again it goes back to like practical uh effects when you're filming a, a movie yeah he takes a couple of guards out like i feel like that was jack's most heroic move of the movie almost or at least up to that point is inadvertently rolling backwards in the wheelchair he like knocks a couple of guards out but, yeah you know, it took me a second when i was uh re-watching it before this because yeah, like he does take them out, but I realized the one that's closest to the camera just like goes flying. <laughs> yeah, he and does. like as soon as he makes contact, <clears throat> and I was like, Are, "Were they dummies?" So I went back and like paused, it, like uh, paused it through or whatever. And like the guy that's further away from you definitely is a guy. Yeah, and he flies enough. It's like, oh, he's he got to have wires. Down. Yeah, yeah, like, he's got to have wires. I th- I couldn't tell if the guy closest was a dummy or actually a guy, and they just pulled him really fast. It's almost like Keystone Cops, like you just yeah. like that kind of like comical like slapstick. Like right. he is like over the top, like knocks him out of the way. And then immediately when they cut, they kind of land at the same time, and I'm like, no, that guy was like going through a roof or something. How fast? <laughs> he How fast he left? Uh, so after uh, Jack kind of frees himself from the well. Uh, Jack and Wang, Jack, Wang and Eddie, they all like grab the guns from the guards that are like kind of laying around. And this is like a, almost like a three stooges kind of a scene right here. So Jack and Wang exchange guns and then Wang grabs Eddie's gun. It's just like a kind of like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like a, our description is probably about as smooth as (laughs) As that whole transition. Well, also the, uh, the, the wheelchair when it goes down, right? He gets stuck. Well, I don't know even what happens. It's, it's hanging. Like, it's like his hanging entire, halfway. His entire body weight is hanging over. The, there's no way that that wheelchair doesn't fall. Yeah, that bothered, that's, I'm Like you don't grab the wheels and like that's how you not fall. And he gets <laughs> up and he like he dashes away from the wheelchair and it gravity and exists. He, but he pushed. So, he yeah. clearly pushes the wheelchair back when he's getting up and he turns around and it's like a second and then it falls over. I'm glad like, I was gonna let that slide, but I'm glad you brought it up because that's about that's. One of the things about this movie that does bother me is I'm not sure if it's supposed to be stuck in the brick and that's why it's not falling or if it's just perfectly balanced. Right. But he went from, you know, rolling down here at 20 miles an hour to stopping on a dime, but then his entire body weight is hanging over the I precipice. Guess, it would not matter. Well, there was, like, there was like a, there was a brick rim around the well right. and I think maybe he was he supposed to have knocked in it. Yeah. yeah. I think he knocked some of the bricks over and that's what got the wheel stuck. 
But then when he pushes it, it falls in. So oh, yeah, yeah, like... no, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying it makes it... That's what I'm saying. It's... So maybe when he, like, uh, kind of pulled himself out, that's kind of made a hole for I the... I don't even know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think... Look, we're not supposed to think this hard about this movie. No, Very but it's true. just a weird stunt. It's it's not even, like, a traditional gag. I don't know what's going on with it. It's like, you should probably be two or three beers in yes. by this point in the movie, and you don't care anymore. <laughs> well, well, and I think it's also... I, I wonder how much of it is kind of part of the parody of it coming out. Because um, I don't think it's meant to be like 100% parody, but it definitely has parody moments. Oh, and yeah. Jack's character specifically is really supposed to be a parody, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool scene where Lopan transforms from like the old man into the ghost of Lopan. So yeah. like he has that thing where his like head starts throbbing and then like he has like light shoot out of his eyes and then it kind of like makes the whole scene white and then like when it comes back and he's revealed into like this younger character of himself. Yeah, that's to me the the puppet as I assume it must be an animatronic or whatever right. looks so much like James Hong did with the makeup on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's just an amazing effect. When you see all like the veins and stuff inside the head or whatever, it's like that's when you know it's a John Carpenter movie, I guess, is he's got like his creature effects guy who's the best in the business, probably, right? Yeah. You can tell that the hand that comes up is like superimposed over the background of the mm-hmm. of the of the puppet head. Do you think it's that or just a an arm on a stick or something no i think, I think it's it like looks, uh... i think it's like a three layer layered shot like i think there's okay. like the puppet head that does like the glowing eyes and the mouth and everything like that and then like i think there's the hand that's like on top of that if you look at it real closely you can see that there's like a like an edging to it that looks just kind of weird I, I i love this shot because like lopan gets up out of his wheelchair and he starts floating across the room now they had to do this in real time, like Lopan, James Hong, the actor, had to get up out of that chair and he had to float like on a dolly, I believe. On a dolly, yeah, yeah, he had to step on a dolly and like he had to float across the room. I, I, I've always, I thought that scene was kind of cool. I think when I was watching it as a kid, I never noticed that he wasn't walking, that he's floating. But when right. you watch it now and you're more, more perceptive, it is like a cool, like, oh, he's not human anymore or whatever. Well, he is wearing kind of a... I don't. I don't know if you would call it a gown or what. It, it, but it's yeah. something like that. It, it's you know, it's like a robe type of thing. So his body movements are kind of hidden, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's not incredibly obvious until you've just had a lot of years of watching people walk. You're like, <laughs> his back's like not moving. Like he's just like, he's like floating. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. What do we think of that? The Lopan costume, Mike. You and I were discussing a little bit. Like it's maybe racially insensitive. Well, it's or maybe like, more than maybe. I mean, that's right. It does have cultural elements of Chinese and like even like it definitely has it, but it's also Fu Manchu. Like he's straight up Fu Manchu. He doesn't have the long goatee, the, the, the little, well, yeah. you know, the actual Fu Manchu is that it's called, but it's basically who he is, even though he's called Lopan. Um, so it's, it's just, it's real hard to touch. And I think Carpenter was trying to be sensitive about this, right? Like the whole yeah. movie, but it's also, it's real hard to, invoke that and be not the culture you're evoking it from and have it not still be like, well, you're still kind of using this thing. I know that uh, Carpenter, before the he started filming this, he had gone to like several people in the Chinese community, even in, even in Chinatown, and he talked to them. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm making this movie. I want to make sure that I'm sensitive to your culture and everything like that. So I'm, I'm quite sure that he talked to somebody about the outfit. So that outfit never really stuck out to me as being like racially insensitive or anything. But I'm sure at the time it was as 
what politically correct as could be, and you look at it now through the like the lens of the twenty first century, and it's you know right. Well, I mean, I think also it's just the context of it is a white person making it that actually makes a ton of difference, right? Like, yeah. it, it you cannot watch anything in our culture without understanding the background of the culture, and that in and of itself makes any time someone who is not who is a white using another culture, it just it's real tricky. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so like earlier when I tried to even do Lopan's voices, I was like cognizant of like, oh, I don't want to be racially insensitive. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to mock the a, an Asian voice. Like, it's so. How do you even make a like? How do you do stuff like that? How do you make a movie where it's all about like Chinese culture, but you're trying to be sensitive to that culture without mocking it. I, I, you surround yourself with as many people from that culture as possible. And right. really, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to produce this, and I'm going to help you, but I'm going to go find, maybe, I don't know if a director, but at least a writer who is, you know, Chinese-American. I think all your, yeah, your technical advisors and everything like that, you'd surround yourself with Well, and, and another people, thing, that, right? yeah, and the other thing we didn't really talk about is, you say Chinese like it's like, a, I mean, it is technically a country, but China is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many different cultures. There's mm-hmm. so many different, you know, it's it's the same. You, you think about California and, I don't know, Georgia or Florida, or, you know, there, even Alabama and Georgia, and there's uh, some cultural differences, even though we're, you know, also pretty similar. In, in China, it's even bigger than we are, right? right. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if you're a Chinese-American, that does not mean you're necessarily Mandarin. You could, you know, there's any number of different provinces you could come from. You, your Chinese may not even be, uh, even if it's technically, like, adjacent to Mandarin or whatever, you may still have trouble understanding each other. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like there's just, you know, it's not even like it's just one Chinese person who is Chinese-American. It's Chinese-American also coming from a completely different background and if, then people are themselves are not monoliths of their entire culture. So there's people who <laughs> probably don't mind the low pan stuff, right? Right. But there are probably people who are because they feel anything is going to be appropriation. Right? Yeah. You just have to do the best you can, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, as a and as an American, I don't feel weird trying to do like a Boston accent or like a Northern right. accent or anything like that. Yeah. But I do feel weird trying to, like, I, I had to catch myself when I tried to do low pan's voice. So I just think of that as a James Hong impression. <laughs> yes. you know as yeah. opposed to like this is just every chinese guy has this voice yeah you know? yeah well but then you also ask yourself okay well would james hong do this voice because it is his voice or is he doing this voice because the directors are asking him to do this voice or expecting him to do this voice right mm-hmm. because uh one of the things that came out when um another game overwatch came out right hanzo uh has kind of that same type of voice and so, uh, but most of the characters in Overwatch, the voice actor matches the ethnicity or the, you know, the background of that character. Mm-hmm. But he kind of had, but people are like, oh, it's a Charlie Chan type accent, but it actually is a Japanese American actor. So it's, you know, <laughs> it, it's really tricky. It, it's hard to know what, where exactly you go. I think you just have to do it with like best of intentions and. There was a whole storyline on Master of None, which I know you watched. Uh, yeah. Mike. I was going to bring it up. I'm sorry. Yep. And he's like. Yep refusing to do an Indian accent. And they're like, well, come on, we need the guy to have an Indian accent. He's like, why? All Indians in America don't have Indian accents. Yeah. And it was just like a... And this movie was made like in the early, mid-80s. Yeah. So it's like, I can't imagine that, you know, there were, Hollywood today is still getting flack for, like, what was the movie uh, with Scarlett Johansson where she played, uh, not Akira, but... Um, oh, she played uh, Ghost Major. In Ghost, Ghost yeah. in the Cell. Like, they, she got a lot of flack for that. So, I mean, this is happening now. So can you imagine back then? Like, I, I wonder if that was, like, 
James Hong was like, well, you know, it's a great role, so I'll just take it. And it's like one of the things, only things that's, that's out there, and I'll, I'll accept it. Well, like, I mean, I, I think the, the, a lot of the actors that you see, right, it's uh, James Wong and, uh, gosh, who else? Uh, Victor Wong. Sorry, James Hong and Victor Wong and Donald Lee, like uh, Peter Kwong. A lot of these guys you see over and over, but that's because it's kind of like the same five or six yeah, uh, yeah. Asian American, Chinese American guys yeah. who can actually get jobs. And that's why they're the only ones, right? There's mm-hmm. not that many roles and they kind of know these guys. And it, it, it's kind of that weird feedback loop. So it's like in previous episodes on Predator, where we're talking about Sonny Lanham, he's kind of always playing that same role as like the scary native american guy mm-hmm. with maybe like you know he's either the heavy he's the bad guy or he's got like special tracker skills mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it's like well that's the roles that are available for him and to him it's probably better than not working right yeah right? Yeah, yeah but at the same time you probably also get tired of there's only two roles that you can be cast in so getting back to the actual movie that we've been talking about like Lopan now is like the ghost he's not like I guess so does he have three different names because like I think when he's the old man he's Lopan or is he David David Lopan so now he's just Lopan I think like they got rid of the David part right that's my guess is like when he's a the human front to this business or the ownership like on the deed He's probably David Lopan. I think I think that is a nod to Chinese Americans, uh-huh. and that you know a lot of their names are just unpronounceable by Westerners. Oh yeah, so it's... so they take an English name mm-hmm. like Eddie, right? It's yeah. Uh, although this kind of you know, in same thing, Wang Chi, uh, the character, the actor's actual name is Dennis Dunn. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Dunn is quite possibly uh, uh, an Asian D-U-N, yeah. Yeah, but Dennis is very clearly yeah, that, an, uh, an Anglo name. He, he wasn't brought into this world with that name. Yeah. So we have Lopan, he's now a ghost, and he flows into this room where he sees the object of his desire. He sees Mao Yin, and she's passed out. I don't know, is she passed out? Is she she's like drugged chance. up? She's, she's levitating. Yeah. She's Yeah, she's levitating, but like... What's she's, going on? Like, is she... She's waiting for the key master. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much that. But... Is she going to turn into a dog later on? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's tranked up or whatever they do. She's drugged or under a spell, right? Yeah. Uh, so... it, that scene was kind of weird, too, because, right, he, he puts his... That scene was kind of weird because he puts his hands up. Like, and right can... to her chest. Yeah, well, <laughs> well and, uh, other than that, like, it's very clear that it's, like, a green screen effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that she's not there. And I'm like... Why did they make it like? Why would you film this? And then his hands start to go through her, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. It's like, yeah, he's uh, and he's also he's as he's passing through the furniture and passing through walls, like. Oh, it's very he's, obvious. He's slightly transparent, which I think was a. It works for this, but it's right. also I think a flaw in the technology of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like you look at the old Star Wars effects, and sometimes you can see through the ship when they're in outer space and right. stuff like that. But it works when you're sort of a ghost. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they were limited with what they were with their budget and everything like that? Because like, I, mean, I think they were limited just by technology. Right. Really? Okay. Well, and, and plus sometimes low effects end up working the best. You just have to work around those limitations of those low effects. Right. Mm-hmm. I think any effects you have to work around the limitations. Yeah. Not to get too technical, but I know it was very light in that room too. So I think if it was like a darker room, maybe you could have hid some of that yeah. stuff. Right. But and uh, he's, I think his coat is kind of light too mm-hmm. right because it's like a cream color yeah, yeah. but uh it, i think this is a really uh interesting scene because this is where lopan is like reaching out to mal yin and he's reaching through her and it, you can tell how he's longing for her it's, it's almost a weird scene because i know that in the in the 
long run, he's supposed to sacrifice her. But I wonder if a part of him actually does care for her because you can see that longing that he has, like as he's reaching out for her. He probably hasn't had a woman in centuries, so it might have been some of that at play. I don't know. Well, a, I, a thought. I think there's also kind of reverse, uh, what do I want to say, uh, exoticism? Right, the green eyes are exoticism for someone who's in an Asian American culture. Yeah, right, true, um, and especially a, a, an Asian person who has green eyes definitely is going to not have come well, not be uh, probably not have a hundred percent native background in a, an Asian country. Right, they probably mm-hmm. have uh, have some other ancestry. Um, so it's kind of while we're exoticizing the Chinese culture, they can also exoticize us. I think it's kind of an aspect of it, although it's really not that big a thing but he is coveting her mm-hmm. right because yeah. he, he kind of you know almost looks at her like like a doll yeah mm-hmm. i like that he's talking out loud in english about just how much he wants her <laughs> and i need you but it's, especially it's that it's in english in a room where he's the only person present well in in the in the previous scene he um when he gets really angry he starts talking in chinese yeah yeah, yeah. in mandarin probably i always wonder what he said to uh wang at that point because yeah. like it's obvious <laughs> that they have like an understanding of what he's saying but like, like a hard r yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always wondered um when they're when they get into the elevator there's always this sign at the back that has the uh has the kanji in the back mm-hmm. and i'm like i bet this is just like like Make sure you close door or something. Like that. I, well, I, I don't know if we're at that part yet, but I think he Wayne. They say that like Jack is like, what does that sign say? And he's like, what oh, it's numbers say. Yeah, he's so. like, it's like the seventh level of hell, and oh. and Jack <laughs> is like, really? And he's like, nah, it's just to keep out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now we're getting back to Jack and Wayne and Eddie. These guys are in. They're kind of in trouble. Um, they run around a corner. They're kind of trying to escape at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're running around a corner, and they run into like, um, like a, a one, one of the, the guards. Yeah, one of the featured henchmen. Yeah, is he a featured henchman? The shaved headed guy. He, he wasn't the guy with the. He wasn't the guy with the long, Fu Manchu. No, no, it's um, he's like the guy. I think he had meat cleavers earlier. In yeah, the yeah. Alleyway yeah. fight. So Wang starts getting into a fight with him, and like Eddie and Jack are in the background, kind of like trying to figure out their guns. Yeah. And Eddie's like, uh, you got to take safety off. So, so I find it hard to believe that Jack's never fired a gun before. Is he Maybe just not a Tech Nine or whatever this is? But it's still a gun, I guess. So, <laughs> so it's it's the parody aspect, right? It's yeah. like he's a big action hero, and if we have to turn off the safety, doesn't even know how to use a gun. Yeah, he's. Uh, but yeah, as Wang is like busting out moves, I swear when I was watching this movie as a kid, I remember it as like a great karate movie yes. with, with great fighting sequences. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it back, and you're like. I don't think there's a martial artist in the movie except for the three storms. Right. But um, yeah, these guys are just like bad blocking and bad kicks and bad punches and everything else. So I've seen a lot of karate movies and I, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's a terrible karate. To me, it's not a karate movie. It's like a sci-fi right. movie. It's not a karate movie. So it's like audiences today, you know, you see the Matrix or something and you expect even the actors who are not martial artists to have done enough training to be able to pass it off. Or I'm, I'm sure if John Carpenter had that kind of budget, he would yeah. have. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But I, I think well, the, you said the story, right? Is that, um, Wang, the first choice was Jackie Chan. Yeah. Jackie right? Chan and was supposed to play the Wang character. And for what, I don't think they, I, I forget how it goes. I'm not sure if, uh, if Jackie Chan's uh, group was like, well, you're not ready for this movie or, or they just didn't pick him. I forget what it was, but, 
they probably would have added that would have actually added a lot more that martial arts. Up a whole world of things they could have done. But having yeah, but having said that, I don't think Dennis Dunn did a bad job. Like no, I, he sells it. Yeah, and I honestly like if if somebody were to film a, like a movie right now and say, "Hey, Mike, I want you to be in this movie," and they were like, "We're going to give you six months to like learn these moves," I think I could pull it off. Yeah. So I, and so yeah, I don't the, that never stuck out to me as Dennis Dunn being like or that being like bad martial martial it's arts. It's just not like a real. You can I guess tell to me I can I feel like I can look at it and tell he's not a guy who's winning karate tournaments and then went into acting. What is Seagal? So how does where does Seagal <laughs> fall into that? Seagal, to me, hopefully a hole in the earth opens up in Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like he's, the, got I like, the, he's got the moves, I guess, but he's not agile. He's just like a big bear of a man, he, but he can't. He's a terrible actor. Oh, it's like uh, it's like David Carradine. You go back and try and watch any of his stuff. It, mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> what was the stuff is not doing it. What was the movie Seagal made on the on the ship? Like that's under his siege. most yeah under, under siege. siege. That was his best movie for sure. But yeah, yeah. He just if he is his voice needs to be raised above a whisper, <laughs> then he can't act. Which is that's why it's a perfect movie because he's always hiding. So it's every line is a whisper in that movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I think uh, Jack actually ends up shooting guy after he figures out the uh, the safety on there. Right. And Eddie is like, "What? That's the first time you ever plugged a guy." I love the I love the fact that he says "plug, <laughs> plug the guy. guy." Like, who says like that's that's Carpenter? Curtis. Yeah, that's yeah. Carpenter going back to his childhood, like some kind of um, gangster movie. Yeah, exactly. That's like that's what he wrote right there. Well, and, and they fired a couple shots, right? Like they fired two or three shots, and then he's, he finally clicks it off, and he like fires twice, and it does not sound like a semi-automatic. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that fully <laughs> effect was not very good, and and it, it even like he makes it really lightweight. Sorry, it, it just really kind of bugs. <laughs> me. Uh, well, because you know normally you, you, it's a burst thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you usually don't do it single single shots or whatever. And he just—he's the one who kills him, even though he actually aims at like a forty-five degree angle from where Eddie was aiming. <laughs> they were like just spraying bullets in that room. Well, the yeah. funny part is, I don't think Eddie even fired his gun. Like Eddie he was like ragging on Jack, and I don't think he shoots. No, he once. did. He fired like twice. Oh, okay, because that's what I'm saying. He like fired a couple times. Then Eddie, uh, then uh, then uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Jack yeah. fires a couple times and like. Another, another 20 to 45 somewhere like de- definitely a different <laughs> angle mm-hmm. and they're standing very close to each other and he kills the person yeah, yeah. So we don't and know then what eddie, eddie shooting at right and then eddie gives him crap about oh is that the first time i'm like oh, is that your first time shooting because you clearly were not even in the same direction yeah. <laughs> I mean, i'm wondering that line that eddie gives indicates that like eddie's killed plenty of guys in his day yeah plenty yeah. of guys like, yeah like, <laughs> that's the pro talk <laughs> it's like Eddie doesn't seem like a guy who's out here killing people. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't think Eddie's ever killed anybody. I, I He's want, definitely I want, not. I just want Eddie to give me a hug. Like that's how <laughs> Eddie looks to me, right? Like he just seems super friendly. Yeah. yeah, he's he's definitely never plugged a guy before. It is odd that they're just. This has escalated quickly from you know, the way the way this day started for them to they're killing people. You know, <laughs> it just it's, it's a little odd to me that they're just all right. Well, I just blew a dude away. All right, let's get back to work here. Well, I mean, yeah. I think that part of that is that I don't know how intentional parody of this movie it is because, right, Jack's not just an, uh, a parody of an action figure. He's kind of a, a parody of an American or how an Americans like, think of themselves in movies. Yeah. In the same way, all the Chinese uh, guys, like, they just start busting out martial arts. 
No one ever said that they were martial artists. Like they didn't like they weren't training, right? He was he was oh God. How did he even meet him? Right? He was just uh, a Wang. How how he meets Wang? I, they were so Jack and so we talked out about that in like episode one. Like oh, we think that, that oh, they're friends, but he's yeah, they've been right. friends for a while. That's right, that's right. Yeah, it was just like a business deal mm. or whatever, right? And and no, none of this is martial arts until all of a sudden there's like a martial arts scene in Chinatown, and then all of course Wang knows martial arts somehow. Isn't that kind of like any like uh, a vampire movie where all the vampires know karate? Like how how do you go from like like Blade is a great example? Like how do all these vampires know karate? Like that doesn't even make sense. Like <laughs> I know they've been around for centuries. Are they are they just sitting around their big castles, like studying like karate or something Maybe. like that? But, I think it's probably the practical reason is that most uh, stunts directors are either like strictly European or probably martial arts, and if they're martial arts, they're probably Asian martial arts, which means everybody who's doing any kind of action is doing some kind of martial arts. Yeah. Well. So um, after they get past that, the one guard, uh, they go up this elevator and they come out into this one scene where they uh, are going to find all these these captives. Yeah. I gotta. I want to point out. So they hop in the elevator. They're like up or down, right? And he says up, and then they go up from like this warehouse setting to the room where all the women are in cells. And I just thought it was odd that 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 area of this operation is closer to the surface. Than like the legit looking warehouse area, like I feel like that the cell, the dungeon where you're keeping all the human traffic, women victims would probably be in the deepest corner of the building. Well, I feel like but, this place is probably a, a huge maze, so you're not you don't really know where you're at. Like you could be below, like up is down. It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> like you could up yep. is down and down is up and yep. sideways is left right and all that stuff like that. And you could be anywhere in this place. Lo- that I'm expecting logic from the movie. I just thought they could have just as easily said down. Well, I mean, it, it's a magical <laughs> castle, right? And they always take elevators for a reason because the elevators are essentially magic. I bet it's not even set technically like set where everything is it's like mario is in his tubes or whatever like you just suck into a tube and you pop out where you need to pop out right well you know (laughs) hell just redesigns itself as it wants to right (laughs) like i I think the elevator really is supposed to be the capsule you go into to go into another world which is where they're supposed to be i didn't i did not realize that the elevators were that symbolic in this film but i've learned something well they never take the stairs they <laughs> avoided a lot this of this crap if they just taken the stairs this is true there's no escalator scenes in this no, movie uh, also wait we do have an escalator at the end is there there is an escalator <laughs> scene <laughs> I'm, you're right oh sorry my God. that that, that the neon crazy <laughs> ending is so amazing so that that was the whole point of this movie is that uh modes of transportation are chinese mysticism <laughs> 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 but so they uh, get so they come up the elevator and they walk onto the catwalk. So I thought this was cool because they pull kind of like a Star Wars thing here. It's that old trope of yeah, this guy is my hostage. Yeah, yeah. So Eddie, uh, so Wang has Eddie as a uh, hostage while uh, Jack is kind of like skimming along the base end of the railing What's to get whole, to the. You guys create a diversion while mm-hmm. I sneak around the back. Yeah. yeah, but so I don't understand that plan because they're not in disguise. No. <laughs> They're not in any kind of a disguise. He's not in, like the turban, like the the Wing Kong getup. Yeah, exactly. All. And it's so not, it, it's not. I took him as a prisoner, which was the Star Wars gag. It's this, just, this is my hostage. Yeah. Wait. Like, <laughs> who cares? Like, I'll kill him. <laughs> so, like these girls, there's no way they're gonna be like you're not part of any of this. This like 
they establishment. Hop to and they're like, oh, well, we better give him what he wants. He's going to kill this guy who we've never seen before. Yeah, so I, I don't understand. The, I, they were really picking at straws at that point because they had no other well, way to get there. That brings it back to my theory that this there weren't a whole lot of drafts of this screenplay. And they're right. just like, we'll just roll with it. That's what was on the page. No need to dwell on the logic mm-hmm. of it. Well, and it, it clearly, right, this is supposed to be like an all-female level because all of the four guards are female. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think they even, even had female guards before this. We and hadn't then, seen any. No, the, it was the four female guards are the ones that took Margot, Eddie, and yeah. Gracie off the elevator. So we had seen them before, but this right. is like the second but time we've like seen them. It's like the women are running the women prison This level. part of it, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I thought it was weird. Margot's in her cell making notes for her story with her like unconfiscated notebook and pen. She's also talking aloud as she writes it. Like that's like the cellmate from hell. She was just talking out loud of what she's writing. So yeah, you're right because she's not like she's getting little pieces of tissue paper or she's not shredding the bed (laughs) or half and she's writing her notes on that. Like she's got a pen and like a, a reporter pad that she has on her. And what makes this really even stranger, right? It's like all these women in cages, which is a really weird thing. But then also, Kim Cattrall is like dressed up like a turkey. She's like, like hog tied. Yeah, she's like hog tied. It's like <laughs> and then, like she can't barely move. And then um and then uh, Meg, uh, what's Meg? Uh, Margot. And then Margot is lying there like dear diary, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of laying down. It's yeah. also interesting when when Jack finds Margot and he's like, "Where's Gracie?" Like, she's over there. She's a wildcat or something like yeah. that. I guess that's the explanation as to why she's hogtied. I was going to say, there has to have been a scene before yeah, that okay. where she was, like, giving the guards all kinds of shit. And they yeah. would just, like, tied her up. And That make that would make everything make a lot more sense. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But so uh, while Jack is trying to free uh, the girls... Eddie and Wang are still fighting the two female guards. And I thought this was really... the bow staff with, like, that shoots gas out of the end? Yeah. It was like a very advanced weapon, it seems. Yeah. So this is... uh, It's funny because the the camera fighting the... uh, Following the bow directly in front of and directly behind are very weird shots and they're very carpenter shots because you see this a lot in like vampires. He does the same thing when the Mm -hmm. vampires are flying at you, right? It's, It's the camera. Yeah. Um... It, it, it's and it's something they kind of did in the 80s a lot and then kind of stopped I feel like and then like Carpenter kind of did it again in, in a little bit in the 90s because Vampires was like 99 or whatever but but it's, it's really weird and the bow doesn't really make sense it's like somebody's whacking people it's not really <laughs> well it's like almost like the arts. camera is attached to the girl like right. it's like really close a really close shot and it, it's the, like the on the her movement. head it's like yeah. a GoPro or something <laughs> yeah the, the camera movement the, the stick movement is weird off of that camera but um, I thought it was really cool because, like, you know, Eddie and Wanger are fighting these two women, and they they finally, you know, outwit them. They they beat them, and then they, you can, they I don't they might have cut this scene out, but you can almost tell that both guys like wipe their brow, like whew, I'm glad that like that was almost like the hardest fight that they had because they both kind of look at each other like, oh man, that was I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe we almost got our asses kicked by these two females uh, as what I think was going through their heads when they said that. I, um, there's just, it never gets less uncomfortable for me to watch like a man punch a woman in the face in a movie, even if the woman's armed and like putting up a fight. It's just like, Oh, I don't know if they would do that in a movie today. I'm, I, it's a trick. I think they actually, I know this is probably, I think they actually should 
Because at a certain point, if someone is martial, right, like uh, not showing them enough respect to actually try to finish them is in its own way, like, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Like, but I totally get what you're saying because, right, yeah. you know, we're, we're raised in, in culture of do not hit women. Uh, you know, men don't hit women. I think most, most of what I'm thinking of nowadays with women and men fighting each other in movies, it tends to be the woman getting the better of it, like an atomic blonde or, right. or something say. like this. Like, you can have it happen, but it sort of needs to be the woman winning Well, but I to, think to set well with audiences. I mean, you had Kill Bill, and that kind of had it go both ways. Yeah. I think it can go both ways. It really depends on how you do it. I don't think Tarantino follows that kind of thinking, because what was the movie he made where uh, Patricia Arquette gets her ass totally whooped by James Gandolfini? It, he didn't direct it. He It was a Christian Slater, Patricia... Oh, true Ar- Romance? True Romance, right. She just gets wowed by James Gandolfini. So, and it works in that film. Like he does, Tarantino she, is brave to do a lot of things that he does. He he chokes <laughs> yeah. he chokes a woman in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that you can. This is gonna sound weird, but I you can sh- you're right. Like if you don't, it's how you handle it? Yeah, it's how yeah. you handle it. And if you don't. If you don't show the violence, then you're almost disrespecting the female, like to say, that, well, we can't handle that. Well, well it, yes, but it's also more the setting, right? Because if it is, hey, I am a martial guard, right? They put me here. This is my job. And then it's like, I don't want to hit you in the face because you're a woman. That's That can be disrespectful. Any other type of violence, I'm totally with you. Like, yeah. It's like, just because of the climate as it is, you have to read the room and be like, you know what? Maybe we don't show this violence, or we cut away from it, or we don't have it, or we figure out another way to do it. Mm-hmm. I almost find it insulting, also though, that these women who are trained combatants got beat up by Eddie. Oh yeah, <laughs> because she like Eddie she, had no moves. She didn't even overextend. She just kind of hits to the left, then hits to the right, then hits to the left, and then all of a sudden somehow he's past her and elbows elbows her in the back off the bridge like through the like. I think he punches through her like her blocker or something like that yeah, like, yeah I, I would think that every single person that's in like Lopan's service would be like this highly trained efficient like martial artist yeah. but no they they get taken out by like the delivery guy you know, the, more, <laughs> the more I think about it uh, the more I'm kind of happy that uh, Jackie Chan was not in this movie because for Jackie like Jackie Chan can st- do any kind of stunt blocking he wants right that man is amazing he, he does all of his own stunts, and he blocks all of it. And he probably would have wanted... He knows all the people who could have been there to make these scenes actually really cool. Yeah. But the scenes aren't really... Like, the fighting kind of isn't the point, right? It's the, all the mysticism's kind of the point. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're the fun parts, but they're not... They don't have to be great. Um, well, and there's also a realism to them. Like, you don't... Right. Like, when I see a karate movie, I'm like, I can't do that. Nobody can, nobody can realistically do that. But, like, if you see people that are just kind of, like, barely fighting... It's like, oh, that that has like a sense of realism to it because, right? Yeah, well, I believe that. I just I feel like Jackie Chan would have been wasted because they probably would not have had been able to spend the resources to pull in all the people he needs to work to he's, his best. He's yeah. probably so the then he would have just been like, oh, I don't know, whatever. After Eddie and uh, Wayne get rid of the female guards, Jack has freed the women at the same time. Um, they all kind of flee to, I guess, is the sewer system. I, I don't see any raw sewage. I don't need to see any raw sewage. <laughs> I'm just guessing that's what well, it is. It's really no, they, clean where they first go in, but it turns pretty dirty. They call it out, and it's really weird because Wang says, this is a, a what do you call it? And Jack says, a sewer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's their sewer system, but we're just going to, we're just going to, 
say that it was like a water sewer system. It's probably the yeah. same water that flooded their yeah, elevator. Seawater or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So um, I think that's a there's a really kind of funny scene because um, Margo's like I'm not jumping in there, and Jack shoves in. Jack shoves her in, and then like Gracie almost like flips around and hits Jack, and then he falls in, yeah. and then then Gracie does like the worst dive into a pool of water I've ever seen. <laughs> the only one that kind of rivals that is I think. Um, Whatchamacallit in Friday the 13th. I think there's like a famous scene of, uh, who was who in Friday the 13th? The original? Yeah, the original. Um, was it Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon runs down a dock and he does like the worst dive into water like ever recorded on film. <laughs> this rivals that. Okay. It's like Wrecker sitting down on a chair. Yeah. It's really weird. You don't notice it in the moment until you look at it later. Yeah. She does like a weird like folded hand. First, yeah. Her, she yeah. totally goes feet first, although I think she meant to go head first. <laughs> But um, so they all kind of dive into the water. There's kind of a little risque scene there, Kevin. Well, oh, when the one when the one slave girl is like swimming in, she appeared to be nude. I had to go back and like freeze frame for, re- <laughs> for research purposes, and she had like some flesh colored whatever on. But um, so if we were Mister Skin, we would tell you that that was seen as that was seen <laughs> was shot at like 45 minutes, 30 seconds, and frame 10. <laughs> I think it's weird that the movie has shifted gears. You know, of course from being a martial arts movie back to, you know, pratfalls and comedy and, you know, I'm knocking them accidentally into the water. And then they got that gag where they're come popping up one by one as mm-hmm. they swim by, which is a pretty effective, you know, charming scene. Where's, where's Eddie? And then he's like, I don't know. He's back behind me. And then Eddie pops up. Where's Wang or whatever it is. You yeah. know, I like that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, and then I guess she's like, and the last person she's like, well, where's Jack? Oh, Jack. Oh my God. Where's Jack? And then he pops up and romance ensues. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. That seems like real weird. Cause she's all of a sudden concerned for Jack out of kind of felt like nowhere. And then finally she pops up and she's like, oh good. Thank you. know, thank God. So obviously she, as she's asking, so it seems like she cares somewhat, but then he kind of kisses her out of the blue. She doesn't really push him off, but she's like, uh, what are you doing? I don't know. It's like, clearly they're meant to have like a romantic yeah. thing. Well, when they first he beat... risk his life just now, like to bust her out, which yeah. is sure. kind of, although they risk their lives to try to find, to help them get out. Yeah. Right. First. And, and they had been flirting the entire movie. Like yeah, Jack had sure. flirted with her when he first met her in the airport. So it, this, I well, mean, it, we've seen this coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, for, I mean, even if they didn't do that, you're like, Oh, main character, main character that they're going to hook yeah. up. So, so after they get out of the sewer, they kind of climb up this like wall and they find themselves in a loading dock. And now they're like, okay, we are home free. We're going to get to my truck. And we're going to get out of here. And then Jack gives this big long speech at like, the door. <laughs> He's like, okay, everybody just stay calm. Follow me. Like, things get pretty normal from here. Like, yeah. <laughs> Everything's not a big deal. Although we've been chased by all these other people this entire movie. <laughs> Everything's cool now. He slides open the door and he pulls a total Han Solo where he's like, there's like a group of like boing, a t- uh, uh, group of low pants men right by on the other side of the door. Shuts the door. Yeah. I just want to say it's that moment of, you know, like everybody just follow me. It's the know it all Jack. Then he swings it open and the guys are there. Then he closes it. We may be trapped. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like, that, that requires very precise comedic timing. Yeah. And like I didn't even think Kurt Russell necessarily even had it in him. Yeah. He, not a lot of movies ask that of him, I don't think. Um, but he just he does it 
pers- like it is just right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he had he might have had to do it half a dozen times right against the movie, but yeah. still he, he nails it. Yeah, because so that's all one take. He he was a child actor, so he had been in the business for a while. And he did a lot of Disney stuff. So I mean, there was I'm sure he did a lot of comedic stuff in his sure. like this is like the point of his career where he started doing more like action hero type stuff. So yeah. he still oh, had those true. comedic chops, you know. But yeah, he totally nails that scene. So <laughs> it is it's one of the great sequences from the movie or like the biggest laugh possibly in the movie. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely one of them. Uh, so yeah, that is the end of that episode. So that takes us into episode seven. So we want to thank Mike again for being a, a guest. Yep, thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will talk to you soon. We'll be back.